You're listening to a Crossroads original podcast. I think for me, owning my voice has been a journey, and it's, and it's been a journey I've had to revisit in different chapters of my life. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, season eight, episode number 41. Well, welcome, friends, back to See Here Love and to our very first episode of our four-part special SOS Summer of Strength series, where we'll be featuring four outstanding women who embody courage and faith, resilience, and expertise in leadership, health and well-being, soul care, and journeying well through grief and loss. And our hope is that our stories and our conversation will strengthen, encourage, and inspire you, our listeners, to live authentically to live courageously, to live a life of joy and possibility, and to deeply love God and others. And so today we begin this series with our guest and friend. And if you've journeyed with us here at See Here Love, she's a very familiar face and voice to you, none other than the formidable Joe Saxton. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Well, if you don't know Joe, you're going to get to know her really well in this conversation. Joe is the founder of the Ezra Collective. She's a speaker, a podcast host, a guest TV host, an author, and a leadership coach. And she invests in women leaders to help them become who they are designed to be. So, Joe, so glad you're here. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing all right. Thank you. Yeah, not too bad at all. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought it'd be perfect to start off our SOS series by strengthening our community as they lead and give them the tools to lead well. And, and you were the first person that I thought oh. of when I was like, I need someone to help us, to strengthen us in this area. So let's start off with some foundational questions a lot of women have when it comes to leading and leadership. So the first one, Joe, so many women ask me, how can I become more confident so I can lead well? Yeah, and I mean, I think it's an understandable question. And first of all, I want to say that... Um, I think you probably want to ask yourself why you don't feel confident. Ah. So what what are the thing? Is it because you don't feel you're skilled enough? Is it a skill thing? Is it an identity thing? You want, um, or is it a perception that you can't lead unless you feel a particular way? So I would. That's the first place I'd go. I was like, why don't you feel confident? Mm. If it's a skill thing, then you can make a plan for what you need to learn, and and you can work out what to read and how to resource yourself, podcasts to listen to, things to engage with that'll help develop your skills. If it's an identity thing, then then that's about an, a confidence which is beyond, then um, you're, you'll always be looking for that. So, and that's not to say, I don't want anyone to feel bad about that. If it's a sense of identity, then it's kind of retracing your steps with God in terms of what you're called to and what he's given you at this time. And if it's a perception thing, okay. then I want you to know that not any leader feels confident 100% of the time. And that is very normal. Um, and that's okay. Oh, one more thing. It could be a physical thing. You might be tired. You know, you might be tired. It might be hormonal. If you might, and I don't say that to belittle it. I just want to give it perspective and framing. So you don't disqualify yourself because of how you're feeling on, on a particular day. I'm glad you say that. Especially as I've been talking and I had a girls weekend uh, the other weekend, Joe. And Look. all we talked about was... Yeah, all we talked about was perimenopause and menopause 
And the joys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was. It was like the joys of that and how it's it's impacting how we lead and how we think about ourselves and how we feel. So I'm glad you said that. Like if it, you know, first you have to ask yourself, why, you know, don't you feel confident if it's an identity issue, a perception issue, or a physical issue? Those are good things for us to take a pause and kind of do a little mm-hmm. bit of inventory on yeah. how come I feel really insecure about stepping into a leadership role or stepping onto a board or taking that job as a director or, 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 right? Absolutely. It's crucial that you identify. Yeah, that's good. So identify. Second, how can I own my own voice? I know we say that people are like, I don't even know what that means. Some people are like, no, I really know what that means because I don't feel like I own my voice, my space and my experience. What encouragement would you give to a woman who's like, how can I start or be confident in owning my own voice? Yeah, I think, I mean, I would say this is the question that I get more than any other from women leaders all around the world. It's about your voice. And it's one of those intuitive things where you, even if you don't know how to describe it, you know if you haven't got it. <laughs> um, you know that you feel uncomfortable, that you're not showing up fully in the way that you've been wired with the gifts that you've been given and and that. And um or you may feel may feel your voice isn't welcome or it's costly to use it. I'm that and that again I would say and the word the word voice comes um that Latin word is where vox and vocation and all of those are, are come together. Uh, I would ask what your gifts are, what you're wired for, what you're called to do. Um and sometimes when I would say the problem with your voice isn't just your isn't your fault. And the dilemma with this is some of some of our reasons for us not owning our voice is because we don't see others doing what we what we're inspired by. We don't see other women leaders. We don't see other believers doing those things. And so it can make you second guess. Um, it may it can make you second guess because if it, let's say in your church context you don't see other women speaking, it's like, well, maybe I should be doing this, and I'm not sure, and I don't know how I do it, and I, you know, before you know it, you're kind of crawling out. And limit or eliminate yourself or in your company and there aren't many women there aren't any women in the c-suite and you see them in mid mid management mid-level management but you don't see them in the c-suite and so you begin to think oh maybe maybe i'm a bit shrill for even wanting it Good. and so i would again encourage you in your research to look beyond your immediate sphere to see who's doing the kinds of things you want to be doing just to help validate it in your mind um and then I think for me, owning my voice has been a journey and it's and it's been a journey I've had to revisit in different chapters of my life. Like what is my voice as a single woman, as a married woman, as a mother of young kids, as a mother of teenagers and midlife, all of those things. Um, you do have to, you do have to use it though. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 it's hard to own something you're not even acknowledging is there. So you're going to have to participate with this. If there are, if there's damage that's been done, if you, if you, and when I say damage that's been done, if you've been in environments that constantly invalidate your presence, invalidate you showing up, then those places aren't going to help you own your voice. And you're going to, and, and it's not realistic for everybody to walk out of a space straight away, but you need to make sure there are environments who, where people want to hear what you have to say or want to, want to receive the contribution you make, because that will build your confidence and help you own your voice. There is an element of the voice thing which is internal. There's an element which is environmental. And um, and you, you do need both to help. You know, that's really good. Here's my question, because I've, I've, I've had this conversation with a number of women, even myself, over the years. When, hmm, how do I, how do I ask this? The question comes up, is as a woman, how much do you expend energies to fight a system 
that doesn't support you with the hope it will change or leave. You know what I mean? Especially in ministry, there's always yeah. this hope like mm. one day, oh Lord, you know, it's going to change and I'll be at the table and there will be women pastors and there will be women leaders within the church or whatever, you know, the context. And yet I've seen women stay for so long and nothing has changed. And they've said, Absolutely. I'm being faithful and I'm being and persevering. But I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because sometimes I feel like people should leave and sometimes I feel should people just stick around and wait and see if the change happens. You know, I have had this conversation again with many people. And in my younger years, I used to say to people, well, let's see if you can have see where you get to. And now I just say leave. And here's why. Good. Here's why I'd say leave. And I'm not saying leave immediately. I'm not saying leave badly. But if you're called, let's say you feel believe you're called to be a, a pastor and you're in an environment which doesn't endorse that for whatever reason. I'm not even questioning the legitimacy of that. I'm just saying you're in an environment. Let's say you feel called to speak and they don't. That's just not part of what they're doing. They've told you where they're at. Why don't you believe them? <laughs> Question is part one. Secondly, I would I would ask you to say your call is your call to argue with them about it, to persuade somebody, or to do it. If your call is to do it and and it's a closed door, acknowledge it's hard. And I think when we well, sometimes we have really good conversations with people, but in the end, a yes is a yes, a no is a no, and a maybe is a no. So <laughs> so you you uh, and I. I think I, I'm not saying do it immediately, mm -hmm. but I think you probably need to ask questions in those environments that will give you concrete answers. And when I say concrete answers, time bound is this. So they're saying, you know, this isn't something which people are comfortable with yet. Do you see that happening in the next six months? Do you see it happening in the next year? Do you think it's never going to happen? What would you suggest to me in this environment? Because this is the thing I believe I'm called to. And I'm trying because you're, you, you want to be faithful. But are you being faithful to God or the rules of that environment? They're not always right. the same thing. Are you being faithful to the call that you believe that is placed on your life? And I think sometimes we get a little American Idol about it. We expect to be picked and chosen and that somehow validates it. And it's like pe people are all doing the best they can and working it out, but you have a responsibility to be faithful with what you've got. And, and suddenly your call has become persuading people that you should be there. That wasn't the original call. The call was to do the thing, not to not to tell people you had to do the thing and and it is difficult i it's a challenging one because i i, I want to i want to remind people that i'm not saying don't stay on one level i know i just said i my recommend my recommendation is leave and i understand and i i know i know the cost of that but what i if you can stay in that environment and not get bitter not okay. get accusing not get judging those leaders um, not try and steer every conversation to your right to do something, then sure, stay. But the thing is, when you are constantly turned down, that has diminishing returns on your soul, on your attitudes, on your well-being. Um, it's not like you're static. You start getting defined by the disappointment of the no again and again and again. In any other job, Melinda, any other job, you mm -hmm. applied for a job in media, they said no. You're not sticking around waiting to see if they say yes. So right. shall I come back tomorrow? So shall I come back tomorrow? You know what you're doing? You're going and, and reassessing, reassessing whether the skill set matched or and looking in other places. Why do we do this to ourselves and spend years? And we call it loyalty. But loyalty to what? And I think sometimes when we've waited a long time, we dig deeper because it's like, I deserve this now. And it's like, yeah, you do, but maybe it's not going to be there. 
not in that environment. And I think we might need to accept it, grieve it, and then put yourself in environments which welcome your calling because you might be wasting time when, you know, the calling is hard enough as it yeah. is. You're, there's still the training. There's still the development. There's still the building relationships. And you've put all your capital in a place where which won't receive you when you need to be investing that in a place where you can actually get on and do the ongoing part of your calling, not just the getting through the door. There's a And I think when we spend our time trying to break glass ceilings, we forget the concussion we can yeah. get along the way it's good and i'm not i'm not saying we shouldn't do it but they, they i think it's a lot to ask of yourself to be the one woman in the room of a sea of men and women who don't agree with your call that you're going to change the culture of that space because they don't want it to be changed it's where they have landed theologically prayerfully whatever you may not agree with it but that's where they're at and it may be healthier all around to bless them and find a place where you can go so good you know, that is really helpful. I think our listeners, Joe, are like, thank you for giving me the permission. Because I feel there's some people that are staying there and they should not be there. Yeah. Like, and for all the reasons that you've yeah. been saying. And I feel like I, you've just given them permission and a way to say, you know what? I hear you and I think I need to go. It's actually been like soul killing by staying here. And, and may I give a warning? I have met many a woman leader who was who was a fired up, passionate woman who years later, because of the erosion of something like this, is actually not in a healthy space. And so now it's almost become a self-fulfilling thing where, where and, and it's actually not that environment's fault because they said they're no. It's not, it's not theirs anymore, right. honestly. And we want to blame them and say you're this and that and the other, but actually you're an adult and you're grown and you have agency and you stayed in a place which didn't welcome you and it eroded your soul and then and the bitterness and the uh -huh. sorrow and, and the feeling like you've missed out because other people who were peers with you are further along. Actually, did you participate in that? In, in that um, it's not that it's not redeemable, but, I, but I, I've seen people's leadership gifts come out sideways and, get re and people get real frustrated in that. And I just don't want that for people. I wouldn't want that for a man or a woman, mm -hmm. actually. It's not even, that's just about leaders, period. Not that's not even a, a woman in leadership thing. That's just a leadership thing. That's that's a human relationship thing. We wouldn't encourage anybody to stay in a relationship where that place wasn't going to commit to them, or where that person wasn't going to commit to them. That's all this is. It's almost like it's a big deal, but it's also not a big deal. It's a shut door. You move. That's it. That's it. And then it's in your rearview mirror and mirror, and it's not hurting you anymore, and it's not damaging you anymore, and it's, and it's not costing you anymore. But for as long as you keep staying and trying to make someone choose you, Health. it is actually hurting you. It is actually damaging you. Yeah. And and you are still, the irony is, and you're still not doing your calling. So who, no, you don't win. I'm just sitting in this. I, I, I hear you. And uh, this is good to hear. It's hard to hear. But I mean, it's it's hard to do. It yeah. is hard to do, and and it's tears and it's painful, and you might need to go talk to somebody. Or you know, and and I know many a woman who stayed in an environment too long. I think there are times when I look back on my career when I stayed in places too long in the hope that, or we were all part of this thing, and I thought we were all moving in the same direction to a point. Yeah. Wow. Your soul is worth more than that, friends. And that's good. Your call is worth more than yes. that. Yes. Your soul is worth more. I think so many women need to hear that. 
You know, so many women, and dynamic, amazing women, Joe, I know, have just, I've seen the, like, light and passion fade because of yeah. the environment yeah. that they've Me been too. in and just have not made the decision. But I also like the idea where you're like, you have agency. You're an adult. If it's not working for you, if it's killing you, then don't stay. Like, exactly. You, it's, yeah, it's hard work to find another job or figure it out. But w- I would rather do that than stay in, a, stay in an environment, a situation that's killing me. Where I yeah. go home, I'm exhausted and not great in any, you know, part of my life. It's good. So good. Yeah. On that, this is a perfect segue because I know, let's talk about top three. Um, you know, I, again, I was just saying how I was at a, a girl, it was a weekend away a few weekends ago and okay. trying to navigate a lot of the challenges and realities of our leadership as a woman. And there was a ton of them. <laughs> so many challenges. But- for you and your experience as a leadership coach in the leadership space, training so many people, meeting with so many women across North America and the world, Joe, what would you say are like our top three challenges as women in leadership and your thoughts and advice on that? Or top two. I just, you know, I just, what would you say that you hear over and over again or that what women are like, these are what really um, hinder me or are the challenges I lead? Uh I think there is something about owning our calling, the scope of our calling that we haven't fully yes. embodied. Um, maybe, and and so there is a conflictedness in that I see a conflictedness about what I'm called to do, what I do with ambition, all of that kind of stuff, vision. And when we don't embrace the fullness of even our dream, like even if we don't name and acknowledge, it it just messes with us a little bit. Um, I think there is a weird thing we have to work out around scarcity um, because and I think it, it I think it relates to power as well because he's I, I often describe this and I think we may have talked about this before about like sometimes it's it feels a bit like a game of musical chairs in in certain professional environments where there is lots and lots of gifted talent in people and one opportunity, two opportunities. I mean, that's true in any job mm-hmm. application. Um, it's it's true in ministry settings, whether we like to say it or not. It's true. Like a conference can only have so many speakers. It can only have so many worship leaders. It can only have, you know, a, there are so many book deals of, available and there are many talented people. And it can just create, and, and I know, I, I it's not that I don't doubt that there is a God of abundance. I know and, and believe in a God of abundance. But I'm talking about environments which are deliberately scarce because God is, God is handing out all his gifts, but all these opportunities that are coming are run by people. <laughs> I just don't know uh. any other way. Um, and, and what that means is that there we are doing this game of musical chairs, which is a fun game to play when you're a kid and it's just a plastic toy, but you do a dance so that you get chosen. And you work more than you should, or you try more than you should, and you might elbow a couple of people out of the way and you won't share opportunities or or wisdom or insight and knowledge with another because actually to to bless them is gonna cost you. To celebrate them is gonna cost you. To affirm their gift, to put their name forward means you don't get something because the pickings are slim. And and on one level that could make us all feel like we're terrible people, but we've all got bills to pay, we've all got kids to raise, we've all got pensions to work towards. For those of us who are single, we have needs which are as, as valid as our married peers. We've still got bills to pay. We've got we've we we're all looking after family members, we're all doing the best we can. And we've all got 
and oh, we've got career goals that that we want to see fulfilled, regardless of our marital marital status, and they are equally valid. So who who's the who gets to see uh, who gets a seat at the table? And I think it sets us up um, in a, in vulnerable ways. I think it's just hard. I'm not sure there are any easy answers to these things. I think some of the dilemma with the challenges that women in leadership face today is that there aren't easy answers. There aren't a, what do I do? It's more, how are you going to navigate this complexity? How are you going to navigate the fact that um, that in different seasons of life, there, there, there are limitations and there are different opportunities? How are you going to navigate the fact that you have a voice and but it's a it's a real struggle to own it and it's and somehow different chapters of your story impact your voice in different ways how are you going to navigate that yes god has called you he's chosen you but he's also called and chosen them <laughs> and also you're in environments that maybe that thing's okay. in today and that's on trend today and somehow you've got to lead in the midst of that how are you going to navigate the fact that actually the only way we change a culture is this, is if we all keep on investing in other leaders but to do so costs you a little bit of you um yeah. i i think I think the, that those are the things I'm seeing again and again that we just have to handle. How we, what will you do with envy? What will you do? And and if you, because here's the other thing, Melinda. Sorry, I'm rambling no, it's now. Good. At all. It's good. But Making notes. If you don't, if you don't own your gifting and your calling, it comes out weird when you recognize when on how you handle power. Huh. Okay. Because if you feel if you if you always feel inadequate, if you always feel inadequate, if you always feel insecure, and all of these things. Those feelings don't automatically go away when you have opportunities. They're still there, but they will. And they might not rear their head in the same way as they did when you were waiting for the opportunity, but they will rear their head when somebody else who's as talented as you walks in the room. The next up and coming, because you're like, I still didn't get mine properly yet. So why am I sharing this with somebody else? I mean, I've only just got here. Yeah. And and it cost me blood, sweat and tears to get here. So why am I sharing this opportunity with somebody else? You know, maybe the best thing they can do is is learn the way I learned. Well, not really, because the way you learn has left you traumatized. So, do you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it's not ideal. It, but it's but but sometimes we won't acknowledge the power we have to change things. Wow. It's 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 hard. It's hard. It's hard. You know, when you say this, you know, Joe, I'm thinking about for myself because there's a it part is. of me, I'll be honest, where I'm like, I have worked so hard for 25 years yep. uh-huh. to get where I am. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Actually saying that makes me feel exhausted, but you know, <laughs> it was like 20, two and a half decades to get where I am. But, you know, there ha- there was a change, maybe, maybe it was launching Sierra Love, I don't know when, but there was a change in me where I was like, but I don't own any of this. Like, it could be gone yeah. in a second, plus... There were other, and I think for me, Joe, I had some great women ahead of me that gave me the opportunity. So because it was modeled to me, it's a lot easier for me to model it now. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I, because I received that from my mentor, Lorna, in media, who said, oh, wait, I'm going to make space for you, Melinda. You go and do the report. You write the script. You go speak on my behalf. Like, and people were like, she's only like a Gen Xer. How have you given her the platform to speak? And I remember Lorna was like, no, she needs to speak. So- now it's like it's it feels easy for me to say, you know, come, yes. you know, come women on the show and actually take over hosting or why don't you go and speak and I don't need to or you know what I mean? Like, I, I so I think there yeah. is that part of that when it's modeled well, it's an yes. easier to then choose to do because I'm like, wow, I absolutely I, you know what I mean. And so that I think it's a call for women. Like if you're going to, you know, especially at this stage and age for me. 
it's like now's the time where I'm thinking legacy. I've I've done my run of a good. I mean, not that I'm ending, Joe. I'm like I've done a good run of 25 <laughs> years. You know, I'm just saying it's now where I'm thinking I need to open up the opportunities, you know, for others. But it, it's, it's not, there's good. some moments. There's some moments I'm like, yeah, like how did she get that gig and I didn't? You know, I mean, that's just the honest yeah. truth. You know, and so I get, I get that. I get, and I, and I've seen it with other women, the scarcity mentality. But I think that's so important. What you said about having that check about then your your use of power, how you lead, and how you use power in that space. I wrote that down. Yeah. That's that's big. That's really big. I think I I think it's all. I remember someone asking me years ago, saying, you know, we talk about money, sex, and power. What do you think women leaders have to watch for? And I said, well, all of them, but power. Because, I, I, you know, I, when I was younger, I had lots of people teach about money and, you know, the love of money. And lots of, oh my gosh, so much stuff about sex. It was like the obsession. No one really talked about power. Yeah. No one really talked about, and which is a shame really, because those other two are massively impacted by power. And power Ooh. plays a massive role in sexual dynamics and in financial dynamics. Um, and, and in the relationship with both power has a huge role and so we don't know what no one talked about about what the the how power can consume you and what it feels what what powerlessness does to you um, I have seen really godly people take people out in the bid for power it's weird it's weird it's weird but it's true because it's, it, it's been left unchecked because you know um, yeah I mean, there's a reason why we're warned against selfish ambition. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The warnings are often selfish ambition in the Bible, not about ambition per se, selfish ambition. Yeah. This is good. I think even for myself as I'm taking notes and, and our listeners, it's like these. there's some good things we're saying here, Joe, that are going to need some time to just take a pause and think about it. Because even like as an inventory, yeah. as, a, as a woman leader. Uh, yeah. Here's something I, I've been thinking about, you know, as far as leading as a woman and again i'm saying specifically because uh-huh. i'm talking for myself but yeah one of yeah. the challenges i hear from a lot of my uh, girlfriends in leading is that i don't know how to lead well at home and at work because something always will give on either side and yeah and they're like so when i'm leading really well at work home life is crumbling and when i'm doing really well at home it's like i can't do my work and lead well at work how do I how do I lead well in both or will I ever be able to lead well at both is that my reality that I can't do both well or is there missing a tool on how to do both well I've got kids I've got a husband or I've got family if I'm single and I I just feel that I'm called to lead I just there's many days I just don't feel like I'm doing it well at all in any place yeah and I think that's a common feeling I in those moments when I and I do have those feelings from time to time I step back and I think it's the inventory again is everything that you're trying to do is it dependent on you um you know like are you trying to do too much mm-hmm. it really takes a village to raise a family it's, it takes a village to be a leader which means regardless of our, our marital status and and all of that stuff or kid status we need a village so I say this to my to single women leaders: you still need and deserve, frankly, a village of people in your in and around your life, accelerating what you do. Um, married women, you still need a village. 
women with children, single or married, you still need a village. Who's in your village? And some of the things in the village may be services you get. You know, maybe you can't cook. Rather than feeling like you're the biggest failure in Christianity, can you just get help? That's me. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Can you, is it a meal service? Are you, uh, is there, and, and obviously there is a degree of whatever our financial realities are, but are there people who are really good at it where you can swap skills? You know? Um, is there a meal train? Is there somebody who loves to cook for them? It's a massive gift. And, 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 but often we don't know these things because we don't share the vulnerability. We don't share our vulnerabilities. Maybe you're great with money and your, and your friend, your sister friend there is terrible with it and does not know how to build a budget. Doesn't know what she needs to be thinking of. Can you share that wisdom rather than us? Oh, I, I sometimes sit down and, and even when I look at my own expectations, I'm like, I'm sorry, Joe, you're expecting to be amazing at all of these things. I mean, who are you, God? No. Okay, then. So, do you know, <laughs> so you need to give yourself a break. And and some, so that's one thing, our expectations. The other thing is, have you said yes to too many things? And what do you need to say no to? And I think we need to do inventory on that stuff. I real, I notice in myself, things just creep in. They creep. And whenever I say I'm not going to do something for an amount of time, I tend to lengthen the time. Because it's often more than I, real, I, I realize it's... it's um, I need more more time saying no than I realize. So are you saying yes to too many things? Um, and sometimes it's an indicator that there's a shift that needs to happen, you know? Um, we can't... I don't believe we can have it all all at once. I don't. I, I think... I believe you have seasons and there are different emphasis and emphases in the season. So I think it's just to be aware of the season that you're in. If you are in a... If you, if you are raising your children with somebody or your child with somebody... Have you had a conversation about who's doing what? Are you over-functioning and them under-functioning? Is there help you need to ask from your community? Um, so that... So that... The, uh, so that you you are... The village is still playing its part. In some way. And, and I would ask you what what role guilt is playing into your commitments. Ooh. Like, you know what I mean? What role is guilt playing? Because you feel you've got to be there. Because there are times when I'm like, I have over, I've over yesed things because I feel bad about the no's I've said. Wow. In either, in either bucket. I've said too much, you know, I was like, oh, my family need me. So, oh my gosh, work. I'm so sorry. I should just do this. I'm like, no, I didn't. No. Um, but again, I think that's a live one. Some of these things aren't, aren't things that we arrive at we get to a place where we arrive where we no longer have to wrestle with these things you just look at this chapter and say what's working and what's not working um and why is it just is it a challenge in time is it that you know there are things that are surprises and um and things you don't expect that that that's life isn't it, it is. are there there we can't we can't schedule people um our our key relationships needs <laughs> We can't. Um, but I want to ask you to to pay attention and and then see prayerfully what you need to say yes and no to in that moment. See, that's so good. Because again, depending on family of origin, watching our mothers, yeah. it's the culture. Yeah. We have become a lot of yes women. Yes to this. Yes to this at church. Yes to everything. Yes, 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 yes. And then, yeah. and I think I love that the overfunctioning and underfunctioning. I mean, these are conversations. If you do have a partner, spouse, you need to have these conversations, expectations of yeah. what if what can yeah. be done. Because I've had girlfriends, Joe, who are like, "I do it all." I said, "Well, where's your husband? Like, yeah. what what is happening here? Why can't he pick up the kids? Or why can't 
he make a meal at least once or twice a week? Why can't he? Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, why are yeah. you doing it all? Yeah. You've, you've got a partner. Yeah. So that's also good conversation to have. And I think, again, like what you said earlier, hey, ladies, you've got agency. You've got choice. You've got to make decisions and, and speak up for for the help that you need. I think that's really good. Yeah. I think it's really good. Well, on that note, you uh, have, and I like this on your website, the five relationships every leader needs. You don't have to give us the five, maybe the top two, but I think that's good when you, because you just start talking about you need a village, you know, to, to lead. And so what would be for those who are like, you know, okay, you know, maybe I don't have my persons to, to help me in this. What would you say would be some key relationships that every leader needs right now as you're leading? Um, a place to fall apart. Huh. <laughs> And a, and a place for fun. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that your significant relationships are places that are safe enough for that. Um, but I, but I think, um, for, depending on the leadership spaces that we're in and the, and the, the struggles that we have, you might need to find a work related support group or a, prof, or the work, um, a professional that will help you. Um, I have fi- found therapy really helpful for me professionally, actually. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of the things that we, I, I, particularly in this last, particularly in the pandemic era, most of the conversations we've had have concerned career. Um, it might be you need a coach for a little while um, and that, but, but a place to fall apart and a place for fun, I would say a huge. And if you're, if you, and if you're not having fun with the people you're doing life with, you know what I mean? If you're not having fun with your roommates, your friends, your family members, then there are some questions there I want to ask. I, I, I would invite you to ask of yourself. What's your why on that? What, what's your why? Why aren't you having... Why, why don't, if you don't have friends, why don't you have friends? Yeah, if you... It, um, now, some people like to live alone. Game on. Game on. But do you have key relationships? Do you have a place where you... Do you have a people? When I say place, do you have a people that you have fun with, that you enjoy? And that... For those of you, us who have... Um, who are raising kids or are married or whatever, do you... Are you fun? Any fun there? Um, and if not, what are you doing to support... You know, because there are, you know, chronic illness, chronic struggles, all that kind of stuff, but... It, it, I, I just want to invite us to be curious about those spaces because you need a place where you can laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? The laughter is the best thing. Like sometimes uh-huh. I know this sounds ridiculous, but sometimes I'll go up to Chris, who is so opposite than me. And yeah. I'll look at his face and I'll go, <laughs> I start fake laughing. So even just thinking about it, because it drives him crazy. Because he's so that is- opposite <laughs> than me. He's serious. And I'll just go up and go, I think we need to laugh. And I fake laugh. And he... It absolutely makes him so upset, but within like two minutes, he's laughing at me, trying to make him laugh. We laugh like, and that's one of the things that I find with with my, you know, with Chris, but also with my girlfriends. Yeah. I'm very intentional about hanging out with girlfriends because it it feeds me. And I know so yeah. many women. Joe said, "I don't have a community. I don't have fun." It's like, well, how can you do life if you're not? There's laughter within it, or you're seeing the joy in things, or. Making fun of yourself yeah. with people who who you trust, you know, because you can't laugh at yourself. Who can you laugh? You know, I mean, just the things I mean, I've real. said or done. And I'm like, oh, I need somebody to, you know, laugh about it. But I really love that that you know the two relationships or places, you know, that we a leader needs is a place to fall apart and a place to have fun. And what you're saying is place, meaning your people, your persons, yeah, to do that mm-hmm. with. I love mm-hmm. that. 
I love that. Yeah. Well, Joe, anything new recently that you've learned as a leader? Is there any new tip that, I mean, because you've been doing leadership for so long. I always like to say, is there something new that that has come to you in the last little while? They're like, whoa, that's actually really good for me. Um, what, uh, this will probably sound quite heavy, but um, what I have realized over these past, I don't know, a few years, is I didn't realize how how formative disappointment can be and how formative <laughs> jadedness can be and how formative even cynicism can be. And I don't know whether this is a reckoning for those of us who are Gen Xers or whether this is the midlife phase or just the realities of all the pandemic stuff. But I've had to, um, in in my podcast with Steph, we've been talk- we're in a series where we're talking about honest leadership sure. and asking ourselves, and it's just, you can just get on when you're leading, can't you? You can just get on and do and do and do and do and do. And I've just had to stop and think, I... I, you know what it was? I was talking to a former pastor uh, um, who I used to work with about 10, 12 years ago. And it was a, he was a wonderful boss. But the church we were in, was a, it, there was a lot of dysfunction there. And, and we all, including him, ended up leaving. And he said to me, any regrets? And I said, you know, the only regret is that I wish I'd given myself more time to heal. Because there were a number of explosions, professional explosions that happened over a short space of time. Some to do with that church, some to do with other spaces. And I carried on. And some of it was coulda, woulda, shoulda. I had, you know what I mean? The family needed certain things, needed to earn some money. You pick up and you carry on. But um, but there are parts of that era that are still demanding a voice and demanding a, a day. And um, and I, I think I realized that. And it's not like I didn't try and attend to things. It's, not, it's just that I recognize now that disappointment is formative. Fair. Do you know what I mean? We talk about spiritual formation and the... And, when the habits that we that fashion that make room for the Lord, what does the habit of being perpetually disappointed do to you? What oh. does the habit of being perpetually jaded do to you? And I think that's what I'm. And what does it do to your leadership? What does it do to your vision? What does it do to your sense of purpose and calling? And to to bring it back to the beginning of our conversation, what does it do to your voice? Yeah, I'm thinking about that, and that's the thing I'm. I'm waiting. Yeah, no, I think that's and, good. And making space for. Yeah, well, and you know what? I've been in rooms with people who have been perpetually disappointed and mm-hmm. what has, what they have become. Like, yes. Yeah. Wow, that's, hmm, it's good. It's really good. Any last words of encouragement, Joe, for a woman who's like, okay, this was really good. I'm leading. I'm not doing it perfectly. There's a lot uh-huh. of struggle, but I have chosen to keep leading and, you know, pushing in any encouragement to her that you'd love to share. I want to just say, um, I think the thing that had, keeps me that I'm reminded of is the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies don't come to an end. They're new every morning. And so the beautiful thing is, as we're working this out and, and as we even as we're seeing our imperfections or seeing our deeply riven things or whatever... Or seeing the excitement. There is a God who is every day gets up with us. Every day. Doesn't fail to show up. Doesn't fail to be with us. Doesn't we may not always feel it, we may not always see it, but that doesn't mean he's not there. And um and I think that's what gives me hope in leadership. 
that's what makes me think you know what yeah keep going not because you have to not because everybody needs you to even though that even if those things may be true but you can keep going because god is with you and he won't stop being with you and and he might want you to sit down and rest but if he does he'll sit with you you know i think that's the beautiful thing about us leading where whatever our space whether it's a church space whether it's in the corporate space whether we're entrepreneurs whether it's in our home and community whatever whatever our area of influence god is with us and that means something yeah. that doesn't that, and it means more than we should be productive and achieve for him it means he is with you in every part of it beautiful and that's a good thing that's a great reminder he is with you i really appreciate that joe thanks for joining me today i always come away feeling motivated inspired and ready to take on anything well most anything that comes my way <laughs> after i chat with you so thank you so much it's always so good thank to you to be with you and thank you, See Your Love community, for joining us today. I hope you are strengthened today, that you feel more equipped to lead with confidence, and that you have more tools to help you know that God is with you. His spirit gives you the power, love, and a sound mind to lead. Again, God is with you. And as you lead, know that you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to See, Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. Stay connected with our daily posts and stories on Instagram or Facebook at See, Here Love, or join our newsletter at www.seeherelove.com.